0: Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling.
1: Hello, and welcome to an edition of Soccer to the Backs on a Sunday. Yes, this is an actual regular <laughs> show, um, even though in a few Sundays we'll have to do two in a row because When Team team's playing again uh we'll get into that a little bit more later towards the end of how we're going to do that it'll be similar to how he did the last time but um eric of course is here with me how are how has your
0: week been Whoa! Oh, off the pitch mixed results on the pitch slightly different mixed results
1: no mixed <laughs> results for both
0: right? <laughs> so um then, yeah,
1: we'll we'll get into that into our supporters club, even though we'll definitely uh get into somebody's results here um in the headlines really quick. So just to go ahead and give you full um I guess transparency. Uh so this is gonna be our new recording night for the show. Um it just works out with uh, both of our schedules and then it was difficult for me to do it on a Tuesday because I had to break up my day off in order to do this, and it's you know yeah. not always not doesn't always work the best. Um, so it's easier just to do it after. It's my only day that I get off of work, you know. During the you know a decent time, I get off at seven, make it here by like eight o'clock or whatever. So we may not always start at ten thirty; we may start a little bit earlier. Um, but the goal was to at least start by ten uh, going forward, depending on what's going on. But Uh, Either way, uh, so we missed Tuesday. So that show that we were going to do on Tuesday is what we're doing here. So I know that we've had other things happen since then in the world of of football, soccer. uh, So we won't really be talking a lot about that. Um, Unfortunately, we'll we'll touch on it in the Supporters Club and here with one of our headlines or whatever. But we're going to be talking a lot about things that on the American side that have happened uh, in the last week. So uh, unfortunately, if you're coming to us from more of the European flavor, this is not going to be your show for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, just too many big things have happened uh, in in one short span that we kind of couldn't not cover them or talk about them. Uh, it's like, and especially it's right up you know our alley of talking about big moments that are big things that that will. I mean, they're going to happen in the future, very much like we've talked about with the. That World Cup being biennial thing various times, that is also a future thing. But we, we kind have of to, have to talk about it. So before we get to that, we do have one uh, sort of European-centered uh, thing. And I'm sorry, we don't always mean to make this about Manchester United or Cristiano Ronaldo for that matter. But this was kind of interesting and kind of funny, right, Eric? Like maybe it yeah. could happen, maybe it doesn't. But what if it
0: did? Yeah, exactly, and again, part of this is my fault because being a huge United fan and seeing this news and hearing the rumblings, it's like, oh, really? Definitely have to bring this up. So Cristiano Ronaldo, tremendous, thrilling start in his return to Manchester United, already helping the team convalesce, scoring threat, everything is just coming up roses there, but now you're getting some rumblings around those around Ronaldo and those around the club, that maybe you could be looking at a future manager, possibly even the next manager, on the pitch as we Again, for now, we're going to say it is all rumors, just mostly idle talk. He's been reaching out to people, however, especially players that he would be potentially looking to bring in, and those in the top brass are saying maybe 18 a month. Personally, I would love to see it happen. I don't necessarily know if it would be the best. Maybe a season or so, get something under his belt. It would be a very quirky one-off if it comes to fruition in the future. Yeah, it definitely
1: would. You know, I don't know that I thought of Ronaldo as a coach necessarily when, um, you know, you kind of always see him being about himself and – Adulation, but then when you think about it, I guess what's the next step for him if you want more of that adulation, right? You're not gonna get that being a pundit. No, uh, you're not gonna get that uh coaching the youth leagues, really, or whatever. You're gonna get that coaching some major players, some in some big leagues, and that's one way to get people to never stop talking about you is you go straight from being a player to being a coach and I think it's Tim Sherwood that mentioned. Wow, he could even start being a coach as early as 2023. Could he be the next, you know, Manchester United manager? Because every time Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes under fire, especially right now, he's under that again with the recent results. Could it? You do you really think that could happen? Like Ronaldo could go from playing to basically almost being a player manager at United without going and and let's say having time with the youth you know, coaching the U team or or coaching some other squad in Europe or something first? I mean, do you think that's
0: realistic or is that just Tim Sherwood kind of trying to stir up? I think to me personally, it's more Sherwood stirring the pot. Now, if he were to retire and say, all right, take charge of United's Premier League two team, 23s, something like that, then work his way up to the senior team after a year or two, I think that would be a more reasonable path or try something like Andrea Pirlo did another top, even if not even a top, just like a middle of the road, European club cut his teeth and then come to United. That would be great. But jumping straight in, even with the chaos of things still surrounding the Glazers and them appeasing the fans were like, Hey, this is what we want to do going forward. Ah, I wouldn't be the best immediately. So I like where your head is at, Tim, but let's tamper down even just a teeny bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, this isn't like that. I mean, not that we haven't had that before, right? But I mean, this this was stuff that happened long ago, ages mm-hmm. ago. Oh, when yeah. We had stuff like that. This wasn't, you don't see that ever really in the modern era with big squads where you can go higher literally anybody you want if you're Manchester United for the most part or it's crazy to to think that that's even being, you know, thought of but I could see it, you know, maybe 5 or 10 years down the line if things work but it's like I can't imagine they wouldn't let's say Solskjaer doesn't work out, you know, he can't rescue this uh this form or eventually the pressure just mounts too much and and he can't succumb that so Basically he just ends up being out like I can't see the Glazers just going oh yeah we're just going to put Ronaldo as the coach with no experience whatsoever um where he's still fresh off coming off the field there you know coming off the pitch and everything I just I just can't see that um no. and I can't I can't see that 2023 replacing uh Solskjaer I can't I mean honestly I wonder if Solskjaer even makes his 3 year term that he has left because this run of form could be worse. Look at the fixture list, Eric. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous what Man United has in front of them. You know, just to go on a little bit of a, a looking forward, I wonder how many of those games that they don't go right the Solskjaer have before the Glazers start getting pressure to make something happen. Yeah,
0: you and know? all of the talk already is saying, okay, look at how long he's been here hasn't won a trophy. To a lot of United fans, that's unacceptable. You're already
1: out of one competition.
0: Exactly. You're out of one, which if you had to pick one to be out of, yes, you would say that this is the least important. But you're still chasing silverware. And especially after the performance against young boys in the Champions League, there's a lot of nerves. I get that. There should be. So if things go to where you're still not in the top of the pack at the premier league table. Yeah. There's going to be some questions asked in these next few games. Huh? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I
1: see it being a, a really hard road to go for them. Uh, it's definitely something that, you know, if you're man United, especially with what happened this week with you have, it's, it's, it's the little things, right? It's like, They almost had an opportunity to drop two points if Mark Noble makes a penalty, Mm -hmm. which you know his record he would have made had uh, David Moyes, who usually makes more astute decisions, doesn't make him come on as like a designated hitter and just say, hey, go kick a penalty. You haven't done anything at all, but go kick a penalty. (laughs) And then basically he gets the same opportunity the goalkeeper Martinez plays a bunch of games with Bruno Fernandez in his head. Wanting Ronaldo to take the penalty, Ronaldo's even there ready to take it. He has to get pushed away by other players so that Bruno takes it and then Bruno skies it over the goal. You can't get any more crazy with your last minute loss on a terrible giveaway to young boys. Now you have Atalanta or Villarreal who you lost to, um, the last time y'all met in a huge final still, hurts. you know, coming in. Yeah, it definitely still hurts. And it's another one of those things that shows that you can't win. You know, you can't win the the big ones and, and you can't win, you know, when it matters for what you're doing. Um, So, I mean, look, let's go through this really quick. I know some, there are many people that are like, okay, guys, we got to move on. We got to move on. And yes, yeah. we do. Um, but you got Villarreal at, at home where they've, had these bad results lately. You just lost Carabao Cup at home. You lost to Villa at home. And so now you have Villarreal at home. Then you have Everton at Old Trafford as well. Another Saturday, 7.30 in the morning game. They love that spot for Manchester United, apparently. Well, I mean, that's, la- yeah.
0: that's why when you have over there at 12.30, yeah. get them on TV because they can't air exactly. the 3 p.m.
1: British games. Hmm. So after that, You get the international break. You get Leicester. You get Atalanta. You get Liverpool. You get Tottenham, who are going through a bad run of form at the moment. Atalanta again. Man City. And then finally, November 20th, you get a game where maybe you can breathe. Watford, Villarreal again. Then Chelsea. Then Arsenal. And then maybe you breathe again on
0: December 4th against Crystal Palace. Look at that. That is nuts. So, basically, it's going to be a potential terrible run clear through to almost Christmas. This is what we're looking at.
1: Yeah, it could potentially be really great or really bad. One of the two. And maybe there's a new coach by the time we get to all that. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But I don't think it'll be Ronaldo. Mm -mm. Let's let's clear the air right there. I do not think Ronaldo. Maybe Ronaldo one day, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe after this, he goes home and manages in Portugal for a while. I think that yeah. would. Be I mean, the his
1: story. mom says that she wants to see him play for Sporting once before his career ends. But could you imagine him going and, and coaching for, for Sporting? Absolutely. Uh, instead, you know, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see him follow the footsteps of another Portuguese. You know, Mourinho. Mm-hmm. And he's this guy that has to go to every single great club there is or whatever. But you never know. You never know what kind of manager Ronaldo will be until he actually is one. So let's see how that um, definitely goes. But moving on from that and from this point forward it's pretty much until we get to our winners and losers which is at the end of the show along with our supporters club. It's a very American focused show. So I'm just letting you know uh, right now. Uh, Starting with Again, don't mean to make this personal, but I think sometimes these things are a little bit more interesting when they are a bit personal. Lucy Gonzalez was fired by the Hunt family uh, at FC Dallas after they lost big to Houston uh, last week. Listen, uh, I get it. You lost to the worst team in MLS you and your, your, your rival as well. And not just one nil, barely scratching, though. You lost big. And that was the moment to really make a statement to Houston and put yourself firmly in the chance to get that last spot for the playoffs, which they've been in the last two playoffs for Lucha Gonzalez. So that's a positive for him. But in the league, he has not been very good. But in fairness, Eric, it's not like the Hunt family have been giving him a lot to work with either.
0: No, I mean, they've had their interest elsewhere that have been creating a lot of a lot of positive dividends. But as we talked about a lot, the key to FC Dallas, any of their success has been their academy. Has it been the fact that, hey, you've got a lot of young kids. You can go ahead and do some winning with all those young kids as he's taken FC Dallas, as you said to the playoffs. but how much farther can you go because you know you're going to sell these kids on, You're not going to bring in a lot of veteran talent. They're going to be going to other MLS clubs. So you have this ceiling that you, through one reason or another, have set for yourself. And you can't go too much to bump up that ceiling. So if you keep hitting against that ceiling, even though you're expecting to break through, you really can't. So what happens when you all of a sudden fall below that ceiling to the floor to the floor? I don't think it's reasonable to say, okay, this is bad without saying we'll look at all the good that he did but i don't know something about this it doesn't smell right to me because he's done a lot with a little and now who would you potentially bring in who you're going to probably ask the same thing that's my
1: the biggest issue with that okay you've done great Mm -hmm. with your academy players ricardo pepe is now getting a lot of interest from international teams. And if he does well again for the U S which I definitely will be very surprised if he doesn't start against Jamaica, let's say he does well, he scores some goals there for the U S men's national that's going to ratchet up his interest even more. And then, you know, so you expect that, okay, he's going to be gone before you enter Mm -hmm. next year be gone in January. Mm -hmm. Then you're okay. You lose one of your big pieces. Yes. He's still young and everything. But it's not just that, it's, yeah, you got lucky that Pepe and Jesus Ferreira have been able to be big wins for you and other academy players, but then you sell them off. So every time you win on an academy player, they go away. So what are you left with? A very bare-bones team. And then every time you go and make a big uh, splash signing, DP signing, they absolutely are awful. What has Franco Jara done at all? Nothing. This is my the problem. It's like you didn't really get you didn't really let Lucci have the opportunity to really feel the team that he wanted, you know, mm-hmm. or or be able to have make some decent trades within MLS to get some players in. No, it's all right, you got like no budget basically, and you got to work with the kid, yeah, you got to I mean. pull off the miracle that Oscar Pareja did, like, yeah. I
0: mean. On. Do you remember the old show on the Food Network, Ready, Set, Cook? Yes. You're basically saying, okay, be on Ready, Set, Cook, but you have to make a five-star meal. Have at it. Yeah, that's that's going to be
1: you it's You can't. It's, yeah, it's almost impossible. It's like you're not – it's not helping you at all, and you're putting him against the wall already. And mm-hmm. that's the problem now when you go and hire a, a new coach – For one, the hunts don't go and make splash coaching hires because they don't have money. They don't want to spend money on a coach. No, they want to go hire the next academy coach or who knows the interim coach that's going to be in right now, Marco Ferruzzi, who's the FCD director of soccer operations, and he's been the interim coach before. Actually, he might stay on because they're that cheap about spending. And then okay, so you don't go get a big, and so then you're basically telling him to do whatever with these players that he has. You're going to give him no budget to really bring in other players to make the team better. So yeah, maybe he rescues something and gets him in. Uh, Because they still do have a decent starting eleven. It's Mm -hmm. just beyond the starting 11 they're really poor. They don't have much of a bench. They don't have a lot of depth. So like, you know, when Pepe goes off to international duty, or anyone else that's on that team, for that matter. You're going to see probably losses again. So, I mean, that's that's my problem with all this, is that you're firing a coach that, yes, okay, he hasn't done wonders in the league. He's won a you know, playoff game. He almost beat the Sounders the year before that. I don't know. I just don't know why you have to make the midseason change. But maybe Feduzic gets him in. But I just don't have a lot of faith. Right now, Um, they had a little bit of a run, and then it absolutely collapsed on them. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. I mean, look, I wasn't the biggest uh, Lucci fan, but I thought he did fine for what you're asking. But I just think that they have these super high expectations for this team, but you mm-hmm. don't spend like you have.
0: High yeah. So right? it's either one or the other. It's either tamper your expectations, build your academy, sell players on to be great, or. You want success, go ahead and splash the cash forward. It doesn't have to be a terrible amount, but you have to prove something. Those two messages have never reconciled. I mean, yeah, looking even at the standings right now, 27 points, nine out of that last playoff spot. Who knows with these few games left because you've got a little bit of a log jam, but you still got that bit of a mountain to climb. It's not going to be pretty. So even getting in, that's not guaranteed. Yeah, and it's a big
1: mountain. It's not a small mountain. <laughs> it is a big mountain. So, yeah. Uh, and and that's that's if everything goes right for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's if it all goes swell, which you know it's not going to. There's going to be teams that are going to win that you need to lose. There's a lot that has to happen. And I just, you know, I just don't see that all going swimmingly that much for for Dallas. But, yeah, moving on. From that, something much bigger is going to be affecting those teams in MLS and League MX, because between MLS and League MX, they have decided to expand the League's Cup to include every single team. So you go from a very small tournament to an incredibly huge one, Mm -hmm. to the point where you have to cut your season down. Not they're not going to cut it down. They're going to just shut down both yep. seasons in August for a whole month for an entire month to do a, a World Cup type knockout tournament. I mean, at least they did it in August and not June and July, where you'd be missing out on players that go to Copa Medica Euros or other things like, you know, uh, Gold Cup or whatever. But still, Eric, I mean, that is a huge change yeah. to go from a small amount of teams to a lot of big ones.
0: Right, because for those who are like unfamiliar with the League Cup, it's only been around a couple of years. We just had the final, which I'll definitely be getting into. It used to be, all right, eight teams. You have four from MLS, four from Liga Eki. The MLS teams hosted the first round, and it was just a straight knockout. All well and good. It's very
1: similar to that one that they used to have back in the day, the Superliga or
0: something like that. Right, exactly. Just like that. And they were saying, hey, this is so successful. So they were like, all right, instead of randomly picking our teams, we're going to allocate them based on the standings. And then we're going to expand. They originally wanted to do from 8 to 16 teams. It was going to be 16 this year, but pandemic and such. So now they decided, you know what? It's in the U.S., it's going to make so much money. We have all these things. Let's just throw everybody in. All the MLS teams, all the teams from the top flight of Liga MX. have at it. I have one gigantic glaring problem with from a tournament mechanics standpoint. Okay, how, and what is that? How are you going to run it with 47 48, I can understand.
1: They're going to do 48 once MLS gets to 30 clubs.
0: Yeah, great yeah. but how are you going to have it with a prime number beforehand you've got to have some group of just two if you want yeah. anything to work or you
1: just let both of them have a buy or something maybe the top team gets a buy the top team in league mx the top team in. uh yeah that would make sense for the supporter shield winner Mm-hmm. or the MLS Cup and the Gia winners to get buys straight into the knockout.
0: So then, say that if you have, like, how they're going to do with the World Cup, 16 triangulars, and your in this case, your triangular winners move on around a six. If you have those two teams get a buy in a round of 16, now you've got 45 in 14 groups. You can do forty-five and fifteen and have one. Well, of they're them gonna have a round them. of thirty-two, not the round of sixteen. It'll be a round
1: of thirty-two knockout. Your best, you're basically just eliminating sixteen teams and then doing a round of thirty.
0: Well, yeah. So I guess if that case with the other fifteen groups, you would have those triangulars, the top two move in, and then those other two teams would have a bye for the round of thirty-two knockout. That would make more sense. <sighs> yeah.
1: I I mean, and then not only that, but there's another thing of also gifting three spots into the new CCL format to leagues. Cup. I mean, does that mean now you're gonna have a third place
0: game then? Because that, well, how else would you do a, a essentially? Huge game? Yes, what? if they're going full, they're going full World Cup, so you would have a third place match. and in- this is crazy. This is a this is supposed
1: to be like a smaller tournament Mm -hmm. and then you're going to go and make this this absolutely immense thing between now granted listen i get it people definitely want to see us versus mexico Mm -hmm. a club because Mm -hmm. we saw it with the league's cup final santos and seattle now we're talking about two bigger clubs we're talking a bigger club in mexico not the biggest but a bigger club in mexico and then one of the biggest for mls in seattle so that was a perfect pairing had it been like Cincinnati and uh I don't know uh Monarcas I don't know right like that may not have been a a big crowd that goes to that event Exactly And that's the thing too is like how is ESPN going to feel about all this like we went from having teams to having uh having you know 30 uh 47 Mhm and then you're going to – what are you going to do with all the TV for that? I mean, I guess per for ESPN Plus, I guess. But It would
0: have to. Like,
1: dude, how are you going to feel when you have, like, a bottom-tier Liga-Mecos team playing
0: a bottom-tier MLS team? Yeah, because everybody's you know, going to be all up in arms and right in their seats for, like, Cincinnati versus Mazatlan. Whoopie. Yeah, not. <laughs> <they're> not. Like <laughs> – it's it's
1: not going to be this beautiful thing that you're going to watch. It's it's going to be interesting, probably. But yeah, uh, I mean, I don't want to kill it before it happens. Right? This is not happening mm-hmm. until 2023, so not until the the year after the World Cup and everything. But it's just like, man, again, we talk about the World Cup every two years thing being a thing against the. And man, th- even though you're cutting the season, you're not making the season shorter. No, you're just shutting down your
0: season. For yeah, a month. and if you're They're looking still at the, playing games, yeah, right. and if you're looking at the timing for the MLS, you're right in the heart of the scene because you're talking August ish around the range of the MLS All Star game, which, yeah. You have to wonder if that would still somehow be in or gotten rid of. But for Liga
1: MX, Well, that won't get rid of. They'll just move it to either June or July or... Yeah,
0: they're not going to get rid of that game because that's just too lucrative. Right. And then for Liga MX, they start their Apertura in July. You have, you know, your... And that's really weird, too. You're going to start it. You're going to start the season, then
1: then shut it down for... uh, Mm -hmm. And then this is a, this is not a every two or three or four year thing. This is an every year thing. So that is a lot.
0: Everything. And then that
1: doesn't even count Champions League, which the idea was that at some point, Champions League was to become a 50 team thing. And these camp would, would be the smaller 16 team thing. Now it's the opposite. You're removing the Caribbean and Central American teams, which man, that has to not sit very well with them. Uh, you know of of you're not in this big competition right you're in this much smaller one well, uh, and I mean Champions League is supposed to be the much more grander thing the right the thing that whenever you do eventually have that expanded Club World Cup it's supposed to mean more yes but I mean I don't know the more lucrative thing of being able to say you're in this thing that takes up the whole year and it's 50 teams and and you're involved in that, and then you get to face off against your region and then prove who's the best and go on. Whereas now it's just like, it's still cool, but it's like, man, you're seemingly putting a lot more focus
0: on the League's Cup than you are champions. And we'll when we get into that, because I got a bit of a deep dive in how they were going to do the 50-team format versus how they're going to do this now, kind of what I feel wrong with both, because you're going to have a lot of stuff integrated mishmash in which you could have executed perfectly but you've now whiffed not once but twice in my opinion yeah i don't like it
1: yeah there's uh i mean it's i think it's interesting that we're gonna do this let's see what happens Mm -hmm. right maybe it could be a better tournament than we all expect because this happens every time every time we uh we say this every time right when they add teams to the euros or they add teams to the world cup or they Oh, it's going to water it down. It's going to make it worse. And then somehow you end up having the Cinderella's that, that do things. And then you go, maybe it isn't so bad. You know, maybe there no. is a reason why March Madness is this big thing in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, You know, you're trying to capture that, that audience. So there is that at least. So let's talk about that, Eric, in conjunction here. Since they're kind of tied together. They are tied together with the fact that they get spots into the other one. Champions League. I mentioned it was supposed to be 50 teams. It is now 27 team, uh, which has been changed because of this deciding to uh do this. This will also happen in
0: 2024. Yo, right? okay. Yes so, and no. How it originally was going to go was like this. Starting in the fall of 2020. And I will put up the original. Article for reference here.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it was supposed to be uh, fall
0: twenty twenty three. You know, fall of twenty twenty three was going to be the group stage portion of it. Then, come to the spring of twenty twenty four was going to be the knockout stage. Now, how it was going to be organized originally was this: you have fifty teams. 20 from North America, MLS, Liga MX, and the Canadian Premier League, to where it used to be, well, it is now, Canadian teams could not qualify through MLS. You had to qualify through the Canadian Championship. That level got removed. So you could, Canadian teams could qualify through MLS.
1: I mean, you still have, so with this system, you still have the three spots for, canada yes but two of them come out of the premier league and one of them comes out of that canadian championship tournament right
0: now those 20 teams were going to play in four groups of five so think like the old europa league it was only a single round robin groups so you go and play either home or away, and after those four matches the group winners and runners-up we're going to go to the round of six. The next six teams were going to go into a play-in round. That was for that zone. Then you have for Central America, another 20 teams through qualified through league play and a new Central American Cup that CONCACAF was going to develop. So very similar to like La Copa Uncaf. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. The one that they play to get into the gold. Right. So those 20 teams, they would also be in four groups of five. The group winners were going to go in. So the group winners and the second place team in each of those groups were all going to go to the play in round. Then you had the right. last two teams, which were going to be exclusively Caribbean. Two groups of five. The group winners would be going through to the play-in-around. And those 10 teams were going to be determined not just through league play, but also through a new Caribbean Cup, which CONCACAF right. was going to develop. So you not which only they're have still to... doing.
1: They're still doing right.
0: After you have that, you have the play-in-around, which was going to be home and away. Then the round of 16 with those play-in-winners and then you would still have home and away, home and away to a one-off final. To me, that was almost perfect. I was in charge. I would say every group winner goes through. Every group runner-up goes into the playing round, along yeah. with the best third-place team from all of the North American groups and the best third-place team from all the Central American groups. That would have given you your 16 teams to go ahead and go in through your playing round. Then you would have had your round of sixteen. Everything would have been fine. So that way, it would have been more even, if not entirely monetarily beneficial. So I get why they went ahead and they did that. But before that even got into the lexicon, they Concacaf looked at the expanded lease cup and will be like, "Okay,
1: yeah, we can't have two fifty team." Uh, tournament. So we had to pick one that's more lucrative for us because for MLS, it's more important to have the biggest fish in the sea, Liga Mekis, to go against. Uh, Then they include all these other teams that maybe don't, they will not bring as much uh, cachet uh, when you're trying to sell tickets and TV revenue and all that other stuff. Um, And so now they have this new field, which includes 2017, but five of them which are the champions of each region will automatically get buys into the round of 16, the champion of MLS, the champ of Liga MX, which um, they have to decide which one of those is going to get in. And then the league's cup champion, Central America champion and the Caribbean champion will all get through. And then the other 22 are, have a home and home opening round uh, knockout to figure out, or yeah, they just have a home and home, like two, two games against each other. Mm-hmm. to figure out who goes on uh, into that round of 16, which is then your ne-
0: regular knockout phase tournament. So My, Yeah, with this, you're keeping the Central American Cup, which is great. You have right. five teams going to the first round. So you're runner up, you're losing semifinalists into play-in winners, which I would assume you're matching up your quarterfinalists, You're losing quarterfinalists, Your Caribbean Cup, Your runner-up, and you're going to have to have a third-place playoff. You're still keeping your Canadian championship. That winner goes on. The U.S. Open Cup winner goes into the first round. That's coming back next year, which that's more games that you're... Then your Canadian Premier League, which are going to be your top from there, or rather, yeah, your top two CPL teams. Then your other four MLS clubs, which you'd have to decide... Your league's cup, as we had mentioned, runner-up and the winner of a third-place match, and your five teams from Liga Emeke. Now, when you were saying, as far as the Liga Emeke's winner, that goes back into the Campeón de Campeones match, uh, yeah, that which they, they have. yeah, so you would have to schedule that. So all the and League
1: MLS cup, is still doing the MLS champ versus the Mets, the the Liga Eme-X. Champion the is winner game right. again as well.
0: So all of these cups, U.S. Open Cup, and all of these things, they would be determined in the fall. And you have your winners and all of your spots. It's like, all right. So now come the spring or come the next year, twenty twenty four. It'll be all right. Let's go. So in essence. The qualifying for all of this will be in 2023, all of your cup tournaments. Then you get going with the tournament proper in 2024. Right. That's a
1: lot of game. That's a lot of playing. And like for me, the biggest problem I always have with MLS, them trying to compete in all these competitions is where's the money? Where's the money? for this. Yeah. Like are you gonna give That's like, okay? So now it's not only Concast Champions, Open Cup, uh, you know, now it's Leagues Cup. Are you gonna give more than just targeted allocation money to all these t- like mm-hmm. you better do something? They gotta expand these rosters more to yes. be a field squads to be able to play in your league, play in your uh FA Cup equivalent. Play in your uh you know Champions League equivalent, and then play in your random tournament that you decided to have in the middle of the season. So like, are are is MLS gonna pony up the money as well? Because that's my problem. It's like, are you're gonna still so, gonna keep everything the same and then have all these tournaments? Wonderful, woo! Yeah, adding more stuff, but you're not gonna be uh, adding in the money thing. And that's that's my no. thing. It's like, you, in order for the the MLS teams to compete against the Liga MX teams, that's what you got to have.
0: Yes, because right. my thing like this, number one, with this 2017 format, I have said it about the current format. This is not a league. This is yeah. a Champions Cup. Right. Plain and simple on a basis of nomenclature. Number two, what if, and more from a Liam Ecke's perspective, because even though they don't have promotion and relegation, the bottom three teams, which would be at risk for relegation, are still set up to pay fines to help with those right. in uh, the development league. Those fines have been lowered, but they would still have to pay that too, along with keeping everything running.
1: I, I just feel like at some point we're going to end up, we're going to get the end of
0: obligation for Liga Mackeys. Yeah. I, because, would, I
1: wouldn't be surprised if at one point that just, it just
0: ends. Yeah. Because with all of that, they've already paused it for five years and you're right. What if that just ends altogether? Plus with all of this, with these tournaments, the Copa Emecki basically is going to have to be gone, just as you were starting to get that back. So with all of this, even and with- then
1: that's the thing about the Open Cup, too. It's like, when are we going to just get to the point where somebody just says, oh, the MLS teams are not going to be an Open
0: Cup? Precisely. You know. And you're going to potentially see this in both an expanded leagues cup and for this new and this is what I'm going to go back to calling it, the new CONCACAF Champions Cup. Because to me, if you want to be a Champions League, you got to have a group stage in some rant for another day. I agree. You can't call it a Champions League if it's not a group. Exactly. So what if in both of these tournaments, the new one and the revised one, you're trying to give MLS a better chance to win? What if, with all of this, they still don't? What if, even though you have a numerical advantage in the League's Cup, what if a Liga Emeckis team still wins or you still have a Liga Emeckis? I mean, final? it doesn't really
1: mean you have totally, I mean, yeah, you might have what, like seven more teams, right? Mm-hmm. Or eventually you'll have 10 more teams or eight more teams, whatever. But it's just like, listen, it doesn't matter because they'll still find a way to lose when you get to the top echelon of, um, because even, even when we're talking about middle Middle tier Liga Mekis clubs, they still have more cash and more uh, uh, bigger squads than the middle tier and bottom tier MLS. Yeah, so and they're going to be benefiting with the to get revamped to be able to afford all this.
0: Yeah, and they're going to be get benefiting from having more money because there's more exposure for all of these clubs in the U.S. market rather than the U.S. market the other way around. I mean, look, we know the product on the field. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to
1: see all those rivalries. I'm sure oh, that yeah. we will have many packed stadiums and all of that stuff. It'll be fun to get to that point. I just hope that the league does right by the teams and by the players. There's supposedly going to be some kind of uh, rest periods and all this other stuff for the players and everything, but I don't think that just shutting down for a month is – Totally the answer, but we'll I uh, I let's see. They still have a whole two years before we really gotta get this going and all. Mm-hmm. Uh so there will be more coming out of that by then. So before we get into our two other things, let's go through the other announcement that happened in lieu of all this that basically got overshadowed. Uh because number one, it's not something that's happening to let's say NWSL, it's a second division league that has been made for. Uh, the Women's League, uh, there is now going to be a Women's Soccer League, a USL Super League, that is going to be getting Division Two status. Um, no promotion relegation yet. They may perhaps one day have it. Who knows? But they will be striving for Division Two status. And they'll have the Girls Super wide League, the Girls US Academy, the Women's Super Professional League, the USWL League, um, which at one point, Next year, we'll have 30 teams in it. Um, so let's see how many U.S. Super League teams we can get here and actually be sustainable because that's the problem, isn't it, Eric? It's not mm-hmm. necessarily that this works or doesn't. It's the NWSL itself has problems being able to maintain team. And they went through all that shuffle to have what they have right now. Mm-hmm. Finally, they got a really good TV deal or, well, streaming TV deal with uh the Paramount plus deal, but man, they had to do a lot to get there and now you're adding another league. do you think this is obviously it's good for the game it is right to, to have more divisions, but are you
0: worried at all about sustainability? I am with how they're setting it up now with the W, which is going to have 30 teams, which would be fantastic a very sizable like theater pool and another option for, like, a players who are out of college, going to college, what have you, it is semi-professional, or as they put it in the release, pre-professional. I don't mind that because that means, all right, it's easier to be sustainable because, at least in theory, and a lot of times it's very much in practice, it's going to be much cheaper to run. So you can have a semi-professional 30-team league, and that way you can have those players move on for professional contracts. What the Super League is trying to do, being that second professional league, that's where I really get worried. I know there's like no gap between semi-pro and pro, but if you're struggling to find owners for top hop national team level talent like the NWSL, how are you going to find to where... You're not even getting that talent. Are there going to be some sort of rules to where, okay, you can be a little bit smaller or having smaller areas, but at the same time, how much smaller can you get when you're seeing the situations for the markets they have in the stadia and the facilities for the NWSL? What wiggle room are you really giving yourself? To me, I'm not seeing it. Ideally, if this were a smaller type pyramid like they have with the Women's Super League in England or other places, great. But we haven't had that focus at U.S. Soccer to develop anything into that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing with the USL, I will say is that they have a lot. Uh, they they know how to manage having a lot of teams, at least mm-hmm. people involved in the USL. So how much that transplants to a women's a league, we'll see. Because obviously, discrepancy between women's and men's leagues. There's just it doesn't always go one to one, right? There's no, and that's it's just there's so much out there now. You're competing with so much. It's not like you know when we were kids, you didn't have availability for everything like you do now, Mm-mm. right? Like I don't have an uh, an NWSL team to root for because I don't have. As a person that's from the Dallas area, I just don't root for Houston teams in general. It's just always been in our DNA. You just don't. Yep.
0: Dallas, Houston, Austin. You've got your own city, interstate. Spurs was kind
1: of like the exception Mm -hmm. when the Mavs were really bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you could, you could kind of, it was okay for you to be a San Antonio fan on the side. Right. But like Austin and Houston, no, you just, that's not. You don't go that route. So, like, for me, I don't have an NWSL team to root for naturally. It's one that I would have to really watch that league and decide, okay, this is my team that I care about, that I'm going to watch, and whatever. It's It's a different thing. Will they eventually get to that? I mean, USL has a North Texas team, but I haven't really sat down and tried to watch that league because there's just too much right mm-hmm. now. And that's just on the men's side. You're talking about the women's side, you know, like I think it's great. It's a great idea. I think it's really good that this is happening, but man, I just hope it doesn't fail because you don't get enough of an audience. You don't get enough people out there paying the tickets to watch, uh, you know, go to the stands and watch these teams. I mean, obviously, hopefully as you get further and further out of the pandemic, we'll see how this gets um, going, but I think this is a great idea. I just worry about sustainability. Of course. You know, and I just, that is a worry. It is a worry. So, but I, I think it's great that, you know, the USLW League is existing. The NBSL seems to be doing okay now. And now you're going to have a USL Super League in 2023. So let's see if we can get that all going. But it's great. Yeah. The most, the most, the most, the best thing it's for is, continuing to develop feeder systems for women and girls that want to continue down the path of playing soccer when you get past the youth team, right? Because yeah, not everybody's going to go to college no. and get a scholarship. Not everybody's going to wind up playing for the U.S. Women's National Team. Not everybody's going to get into NWSL. So, and obviously going to Europe is a whole other thing. Not everybody's going to get that opportunity either, right? So this is helpful for, like, Let's say even other North American, like Canada doesn't have a, you know, uh, Liga and Macies has the Liga and Macies Femenil, but like that also helps, you know, the Canada for now as well, to have right. more teams to play in. Uh, so, you know, it's a good thing. I just worry about it. It conti- how long it can, can continue to exist.
0: Yeah. For the W league, I really rooting for, and again, I think, that would be much more sustainable overall because it is semi-professional. I then worry about the self. Where are you going to get the batch of owners who are committed and everything from to have what is going to be a second division league? If If a lot of even former players or whatever, like you had with Angel FC or others, come through the woodwork and say, hey, I want to be able to do this and help this too. Or even come about with the W League teams. Prove me wrong. Great. Fantastic. I will grab my garlic pepper and eat more crow any day of the week in the current climate. You gotta show me where they are first. Then show me yeah. hey, they're actually gonna go through with it too.
1: But let's let's move on to a new topic. A new topic that we're we're starting this week. Uh, lo- looking at perhaps uh, somebody that you really want to highlight A big winner for you this week So it doesn't have to necessarily be a team It could be a player, it can be a coach um, And it doesn't have to be a club team It can be, you know, because we can use this with national teams as well When you get into the national
0: team, international breaks So for you, who is a big uh winner? Now, I'm fully going to admit if you know when you listen to the kickoff, our gridiron football show, myself with Harry Broadhurst, we also have our own little football rivalry, him supporting those dirty Liverpool, myself with the far better shade of red in Manchester United. So Throwing that out there as a preface. Also, for those of you who know, I have a little bit of a penchant for placing down a couple of coins here and there for certain things to happen. As much as I talked about my placing a wager on Manchester United to win the league at 9-1 to odds, there was another little bet that I took a flyer on, and it involved two teams, Leicester City and Brentford. Leicester City being the best club of all the teams in the Midlands, and Brentford performing the best of the top teams who were promoted. Harry, let me congratulate you and your Reds. You had a very valiant effort, some major milestones, but Brentford, huge crucial point, three-three draw, helping keep my bet alive. Thank you so much for letting that happen. My personal it, it says a lot
1: when Jurgen Klopp himself was was asked, Do you feel like they deserve something out of that game? He's like, Oh, definitely, yes. They had him they had him against the wall at times, you know. So um, of course, Salah also didn't help himself that Liverpool could have gone up in that game. But, man, definitely worth it to Brentford. They've uh, held their themselves well against the Giants so far uh, in, in this season. Just don't on. do it against us and we'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know the don't way things on. are going. I wouldn't be surprised at all the way things are going. But, <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I think that's a, that's a good shout. But I, I'm going to go to a different... First of all, I want to give a second, like, secondary one to Raul Jimenez, who came in, scored his first goal, and then helped Wolves get a victory um, on the season. That's that's really great for him. Uh, after that terrible head injury that he had last season, for him to come back and then finally be able to get on the score sheet and, and do something for Wolves, uh, I think is, is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to see it uh, for Raul Jimenez. Uh, second... Uh, Arsenal has to get my biggest winner this week. You win the two games that everybody expects you, that you should win, that you know you're supposed to win. That everybody was like, okay, if the, he loses against, if Arteta loses against Burnley or Norwich, that's that's it, right? Like you gotta get out of here. But then you go to the North London derby on Sunday, and you absolutely knock Spurs on their ass. In the first 34 minutes of the game, the fastest it's ever happened in the entire history of that game, and they played a ton of matches against each other. That's amazing. Now, obviously, Tottenham improved in the second half or whatever, but they didn't look. Nuno himself said that I picked a bad team. I picked a bad team, and it, but honestly. It was, it was just like a day for Arsenal. That that Emirates was rocking everything. Hats off to Arteta for getting it right for a three-game string uh, so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, really saving himself for all the different chants. Arsenal hanging around, even though it's early in that relegate battle, this is the spark of exactly what they needed. Kudos to Arteta for like, you know what? I got to save myself. I got to save this season this is the perfect time, especially culminating in that North London Derby. This is when you get it right. Now, yeah,
1: and now they're on top of Tottenham. on the standings as well <laughs> on the table. So that's uh, that's funny. Everybody is looking up at Tottenham. At one point, had three games from three, and now they've gone and lost. And now they have a game against Brighton on the weekend. And if Arsenal can win that one, going into an international break, man, you have to feel great if you're Arteta to win you know, they won two games by the semester margins, right? Mm-hmm. But those are still victories regardless. And then you go out and whoop your rival. Or, you know, you, you go out and keep going in the Carabao Cup and you go and whoop your rival. And then you get a game against a, a Brighton. Uh, yeah, Brighton who, you know, say what you will, Eric, but they have been fighting themselves. They have been very uh, good so far this season. Um, keeping in the pack there They're above Brentford And above yeah, they, uh, there was you know.
0: Another one who's off to a flying start So you get that Early scalp and then all of a sudden You're going from bottom of the table To all right going from safety Now it's like all right you're more comfortable In where you were in those European spots and thereabouts So you can just sit back a bit In October and be like okay Now we can breathe Now we have a proper seat Definitely. So, who is a, a big loser the weekend or from we, the week? We mentioned this before, and this time I have to give an outright apology to Rachel. But we talked about this level of Mexican dominance in teams like the tournaments, like the Leagues Cup and CONCACAF. There were some pretty major L's, and we're hoping Seattle get a chance against uh, like Santos or uh, Leon or against own rather, 3-2 loss. So it's like right as things were going well for Sounders coming back up, and all of a sudden just poof, you blow like the major chance. And on the heels of Philadelphia Union, crumbling over two legs in that match, it's like, huh, what now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so sad. No, it was sad, man. You. It-
1: yeah, thought that that was going to be the time. If there was a team that would have done it, um, and I was going to double down on that too of Seattle, um, sadly, man. And this isn't, you know, America, this isn't, uh, one of the Cruz Azul, this isn't like one of the bigger teams. This is Leon. Yes, they are one of the better teams by now, but historically, Leon is not. And then, like, you go and you can't beat them. Man, this is that was your, your moment to yeah. have an MLS team finally overcome a Liga MX in a final in a time that mattered. And uh, can't
0: can't do it. It, it. it just makes you wonder. It makes you Yeah,
1: it's uh unfortunate really. It is so supporters club, really quick here. Um Miguel to Manchester United, so I'm gonna go there again. Uh they have an interesting game against Villarreal uh, on Wednesday. So that should be, that will tell you a lot, I think, about where the team is, depending on what they do there. Uh, Valencia, I thought, did uh, one heck of a great run to equalize after being down to 10 men. Um, unfortunately, when they've had to face against the two big giants, they didn't do well. Uh, They they played well against Madrid. They just, they ran, I feel like they ran out of gas because they don't have the depth that Madrid does to bring on, you know, the players that they do. Uh, But they got to, I think that game against, uh, against Cadiz, you got to get that one. Get it back. Uh, Dortmund lost as well. Not, no Erling Holland, So that's a big blow. Uh, But they lost. Marseille lost to um, Ren, and now they are no longer unbeaten, but they've done well so far this year. I medica Drew in the Classical against Chivas. Oh, man, my teams did not
0: do not great. This... It, it was a mighty rough <laughs> week, but I, I'm honestly, I'm right there. I'm yeah. already circling the count. The only win
1: for me was AC Milan beating Spezia. Brahi Diaz, man, he keeps <laughs> doing things. He keeps doing it for Milan, and Maldini, another Maldini gets on the score <laughs> sheet. The grandson, the son of Paolo Maldini, gets gets a header uh, to I, to get a
0: goal. For, follow, you that you when you're in the family business of score goals for AC Milan. I mean, come on, you gotta keep the legacy going. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely, you got to. So you were saying
0: it. Yeah, I'm saying I'm already circling on the calendar. It's a matchup of 5th and 6th in the East. D.C. playing Orlando down in Exploria Stadium. Yeah, Lions, the goals have kind of dried up a little bit, which is kind of a concern, and I'm wondering, okay, why now, going off of a 3-1 loss? And then, all right, New England is forgivable because they're New England. It was 2-1. I get that, but... Something up front that was just going great all of a sudden has stopped. And I'm a bit worried, whereas with D.C. on the other hand, again, it's Cincinnati. But picking up a 4-2 home win, that puts my mind a bit more at ease. So now October 2nd, which is right around the corner, that clash. Maybe they're still like right next to each other and buying for home field in the first round with those playoff spots. It's going to be a very nervous night. Very nervous.
1: I uh, hate when you get to those uh, moments. Uh, for me, it's it's like that all the time uh, <laughs> with uh, with FC Dallas. I feel like I just got to be on pins and needles every time they play. Because when you think you have it uh, in the bag, even like yesterday, they lose to to Vancouver, uh, and I feel like they're just going to keep uh, going down. There, I mean, at least Orlando's still in playoff position. So is DC. That's going to be uh, an interesting fight there. Now, especially that Atlanta has stormed back into the picture. Um, they have made it yet another team that it's going to be in the mix uh, there and in, in Montreal too. Uh, so, man, that, that Eastern Conference is going to be fun uh, to watch. And, I mean, L.A. just lost to Austin, so that doesn't help there. That that makes things even a, a bigger debacle, I think. And it's funny when you look at all the, the three Texas teams that are at the bottom <laughs>
0: <laughs> and in the distance,
1: away from the rest of the that like middle pack there, um. So, oh, not not a good look uh, for Texas at all. But that's gonna be it for uh, this week. Like I said, we won't have a show on Tuesday. Uh, we will have a show again on Sunday uh, to look at at things and again go over our winners and losers, supporters club, our headlines, everything. Uh, that will be much more looking ahead at what did happen that week instead of this one that's a little bit retroactive because we kind of already had this show built up and we had to talk about these. Um, but yeah, and then unfortunately for me, the I mean, it was nice because last time the US Men's National Team calendar kind of well for my work schedule, this one does not. They're playing games at normal hours. <laughs> so even the Sunday game is going to be early an hour before i get off work i actually have to go home and watch the entire game and then we will start uh probably start the show at 10 and then right after that do our regular episode and then the the tuesday and or the thursday and wednesday shows will just be when i get off work really late um unfortunately i don't know when i will have time to I might have to just watch highlights and and
0: let Eric carry the shows there.
1: But yeah.
0: believe me, I'll be doing my old school live tweeting with everything. Yeah. So you just follow me on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. You'll at least get a great idea. Uh,
1: definitely, I forgot to have that ticker going while we were talking here. But if you if this is your first time listening or the I don't know how many a time listening, we appreciate all of that. Thank you for watching live if you did on Twitch or Twitter or Uh, the Facebook page, or wherever. It's always appreciated as well. And, of course, you can listen to us after the fact on all the podcast places that there are. You know, Overcast, uh, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, all those places. We're there. You can listen to us. Um, You know, give us a shout-out. Give us a, a review if you can. That will definitely help the five stars or whatever you feel like we deserve. Really appreciate that. Um, Thank you so much for uh, being with this new format of the show. We really do appreciate it. Um, And, you know, listen to the rest of the WTM network as well. You know, uh, I do the video games show. Um, Eric does the uh, gridiron NFL show. He also does a, an actual game show. Life is Mm -hmm. like a game show that you definitely should check out. Of course uh, the man that, that makes this an entire network, Mark Radlitz with all of the entertainment package in one, and one man basically with his crew uh, check out all this, the the stuff as well. So we even do some wrestling. So if you like wrestling, uh, Mark does Mark does uh, reviews for that as well. And of course that wrestling show. So and some anime too, uh, which they're coming back this week after they've had a little bit of a layoff. But until next week, see you later, everybody. Peace.